Wednesday church. I'm glad you were here. And I, I hope you're glad to be here too. Hopefully uh, nobody drug you in here by, by your ear or something. I'm glad you're here. And uh, live streamers, it's good to have you, by the way, if you're jumping on this Wednesday night. So come on in, everybody. Come on in, grab a seat. And we're about ready to jump into a little time of praise and worship tonight. So let, let's stand up and let me open in prayer. Lord, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, come. Be in this place. We're gathered here in your name for your glory. To be strengthened in you, to, to be equipped in you, to grow in you. I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you're here with each one of us tonight. You touch each one of us right where we're at. No matter what's happening, the situations of our lives, Lord, that we know that you're with us. And I pray you remind us about that once again tonight. So as we praise you tonight, as we worship you, come inhabit the praises of this people. For we are your people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
me my child I'm not going anywhere Don't you think it's time for you to smile I will wipe your tears away
for coming tonight in the house of God. Go around and greet your family of faith this evening. Can't help it. Amen. Everybody doing good tonight? Is everybody doing good tonight? We, we went from two of you to five of you on that one. <laughs> oh, my. Well, it's good to have you tonight. Always good to be here. I, I hope, uh, I do hope this church is church feels like home and this is family of faith to you um but it is good to have you a couple quick announcements well let's do offering first i'm sorry tithing offering so if you have something to give go ahead and prep it offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you or you can see mr mike walking around with envelopes there if you need his help wave your hand around and uh we appreciate your giving your faithfulness and and all that we're doing uh is because of your faithfulness and giving and um, so let's just pray over that tonight. So if you have something to give, you can bring it. Lord, uh, we praise you. We worship you. We, we glorify you. We live for you. And we live by faith. One of those values that we live in. We live by faith. But part of that is just this understanding, this uh, life of faith that you are our provider. And in that, Lord, so many things that you teach us and so many things that that you bring to our life because of it. And Lord, in our giving tonight, we're responding to that. So as we give in our tithe and our offering tonight, I pray blessings on those who give, and I pray increase in a way that, that we are able to further the kingdom with what comes into the house. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Bring it if you have it. So a couple um, quick announcements. Don't forget. Uh, right now, we are in second week of our 21 days of prayer. So if you did not know that, we are in 21 days of prayer. And it started on January the 2nd. So if you haven't picked up one of the blue uh, prayer sheets there at the back table back there, um, go ahead and pick one of those up and jump in on it. We are open again for Monday night prayer from 6 to 7 every Monday. That's when we're gathering for prayer. But 21 days of prayer, we're just getting on the same page. We're kicking off our year in prayer, giving our year to God, the calendar year that we find ourselves in, and, and just knowing that he is with us in all those things. So uh, 21 days of prayer, so that goes for uh, another week and a half, I guess, and, and uh, let's just continue every day. Now, one of the great things about 21 days of prayer, I think, is if you don't have a habit of prayer in your life, this is a good time to start it. Amen. All right. So if, if we're not praying as a church, but if you're not praying as an individual, then we are missing out on the key foundation of 
our relationship with God and what he can do because of our time with him. So uh, that's a, something that comes from that 21 days of prayer. Second thing is this. This is going to be fun. Marriage nights. All right, guys. This is a great opportunity to show your wife how much you love her to invite her out to the marriage nights. And all the guys in the house say amen. 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 Marriage nights, two Fridays in a row, February 11th to February, and February 18th which Valentine's Day is smashed right in the middle of it. So, so, guys, I'm helping you out in two ways, okay? A, I'm giving you an opportunity to invite your wife to something that she's going to like. B, it's going to be a great reminder so you don't forget about Valentine's Day. So I'm helping you, like, in all sorts of things here. So uh, if you can't make both Fridays, it's okay. Make one or the other, but they are, it's different content both the Fridays. Uh, seven to nine both nights. We're going to have a little food here. There's going to be babysitting provided. That's another good opportunity to come out and, and uh, spend a couple hours away from your kids. But anyhow, uh, sign up at the back. Somebody's been asking, please sign up. And the reason I, I need to sign up is that way just for the food. That way we are prepped for that. But it's going to be just uh, some fun. I know uh, this the second one, the 18th, we're going to start off by splitting up guys and girls and, and doing some uh, separate things there. But different uh, things are happening. But if you have a question about marriage that we may be able to help with, there is a box back there. Chris, go grab that box. It's, it's decorated like a Christmas present with snowflakes and stuff on it. But if you have a question, go ahead and write down your question, throw it in that box. And if we have questions, they yeah, all see it now, Chris. They got it. All right. So um, if, you, if, if, there are, if there are questions in there, we'll close out each night answering some of those questions and whatnot. So some of it's going to be Margo and I teaching. Some of it's going to be video and whatnot. So it'll be a good time. Anyhow, sign up for that. And don't forget, youth hangouts every fourth Wednesday night, and that's two weeks from tonight. So if you have questions about some of that stuff, you can see Josh. And that's all I got for announcements. So get your Bibles out. You have a word with you. If not, we'll be throwing it up on the screen. But I always encourage you to bring your Bible with you anyways. Right? Right. Okay, good. Um, by the way, who's got uh, one person to stand up at your seat and share something good that God is up to in your life? Doesn't have to be this big, deep, long Eric. All right, Mr. Eric. Everybody say hi, Eric. There you go. Thank you, Eric. Amen. Good word. So after that, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to... No, I'm kidding. I won't do that. I could, but, you know. All right. The book of Psalms. Let's go there. And we're going to close out tonight our series on the book of Psalms. We've been in this for a couple months. Um, and I feel like, you know, the book of Psalms, 150 chapters... Of it, I think we've hit, if, if the book of Psalms is 10 inches deep, we hit about a half an inch. So my encouragement to you is to get into it, because we're not going to cover it all. We can't. We could, but, it, it, you know, we'd be here for a couple years probably. So um, take your time. So so thing is this. So we encourage you to do things, and we're going to talk about this more Sunday, about growing your roots deep and, and having strong roots. Um, Getting into your word, if you, one of the biggest questions I've gotten over the years in pastoring is a simple question. I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. What do, what do I do? Here's the most basic way you can do that. Start tomorrow, Genesis chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and Psalm chapter 1. Next day, Genesis chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, Psalm chapter 2, and, and just... And then when you, when you have questions, start writing them down. What in the world's going on there in Genesis 15? That wasn't, the, okay, I got to ask somebody about this. And, and we talk, okay? So basic, and, and you start, 
integrating yourself into the Word. So Genesis 1, and some of those Old Testament chapters can get long, but Genesis 1, and, and then you got Matt and Psalm, you're in there probably all of 12 minutes right there. And that's not even, that's, that's, that's actually reading. Not, don't speed read your Bible. Can I just say that? Don't, trust, don't speed read it, okay? Take your time, all right, and go through it. And uh, you, you'd be amazed, first of all, you start by saying, Holy Spirit, I'm about ready to get into the Word. Please help me, right? It's not about you, but the Holy Spirit comes to help. Then it, then it turns into being about you, right? It's not by your own wisdom, but the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, right? And just start getting in the Word. And, and he, will, he will work with you in the things that you understand. He'll challenge you in some of the things you don't understand. And he'll work beyond your understanding. And I'm thankful God does that. You know that song, Waymaker, we sing? Every now and then there's a part of it, even when I don't see it, he's, he's moving. That's true. But when you put yourself in a, a place that he can do things, he will do things beyond your understanding. And I'm thankful for that. Because if I have to understand everything, I'm in trouble. Because I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. All right? Let's be honest. So he helps me. Right? And he helps me where I don't understand. To come to understanding and, and live in faith. Amen? So get into your words. So um, we're going to close out the Psalms tonight talking about a particular aspect of the Psalms. And what we find all throughout the Psalms is this aspect of life. And, and there is an assumption in the Psalms, and it's really an assumption, but it, but it really for us a, a reaffirming that God is the author of life. God is the preserver of life. And God is the protector of our life. And you find those three aspects of life all throughout the psalm. So let's jump into some of those tonight. So the first one, uh, Psalm chapter 36. And i got several different psalms written down, so I think Justice is back there. He's going to be working hard for you tonight. He'll be taking tips afterwards. But anyway, Psalms chapter 36 and verse number 9. Kind of picking up near the end of this particular psalm. It says, for with you is the fountain of what? The fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So a very foundational aspect that we find in scriptures everywhere, but in the psalm, is that God is the fountain of life. He is the giver of life. He is the author of life. Without God, there is no life. We have life because of him. And by, why do we have life? Because God is love. Did, did he need us? Nope. Now, you would think, I don't know. <laughs> have you ever done something you didn't need to do and it turned into be a pain in your neck? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You think God did not know the future of this creation and these people that he would make? Certainly in his wisdom, he understood that we could turn into a pain in his neck. But yet here we are. Right? Because God is love. And one thing you're going to find is that because God is love, God is continually in a creator kind of mode. Psalm chapter 1. We're actually going to be in the scripture a little bit on Sunday. Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, he, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now watch this. Like a tree planted by streams of water, it yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, it prospers. The wicked are not so, they're, they're like shaft that the wind drives away. So here we see uh, those who are in him meditate on his law, and we find out that Jesus, the fulfillment of those things, and, and, and what Jesus is. 
It's the giving of life like a tree that in its season produces fruit in, in, in all things. The, the, the leaves do not wither. It's the constant giving of life. Amen. There's another one, Psalm chapter number 8 and verse number 3. Here's one that points to, to his creating of all things. When I look at, look at who, whose heavens does it say there? Who's possessive of this? When I look at your, who, who, whose heavens? When I look at the heavens of God. Why are they his? Because he made it. They belong to him, right? It, okay, let's keep reading. Catch myself there. The work of what? His fingers, your fingers. The moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So God, as we know in the beginning, God created. God is the author even in creation of all things. He is the sustainer of all. And who does it belong to? God. That is why God has come to reclaim his creation. He made it. We messed it up. Jesus comes to reclaim it. To, to take responsibility for which he didn't mess up by dying on the cross in our place. Why? God is love. And because God is love, he's continually offering life because he's always the creator. The creator God never stops giving life. You know that? Here's another one. Here, here's one that really needs to set in on a lot of you. Psalm 139. Be familiar with this probably. Psalm 139, verse number 13. It says, for you. Now, who are we talking about there? For God. For you formed my inward parts. Now, who, who is my there? The author of, of this psalm. So God, the creator, formed even the most inward parts of the person who wrote this. God is creator even of your inward parts. The deep seed of who you are, God made it. You knitted me together in your mother's womb. So in other words, God is the one who makes even us. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You see that? Now, okay, so how, how many of you have ever been to the ocean? When I was growing up, we called it the shore. Anybody ever call it the shore? No, okay, that's the East Coast thing. Uh, the beach? Okay, okay, yeah. How many of you have ever been to the shore and you looked out at this, this mass expanse as far as you could see and you were struck in wonder at, at the wonder of that creation? Anybody? Or, or maybe you're not a beach person, because I'm not. Maybe it was the mountains. And you were at the mountain. Maybe you visited the Grand Canyon or something, something like that. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. And you're struck by the wonder of this incredible creation that God made, or, or maybe, maybe it's neither of those, maybe you get out on a, on a, a cloudless night and, and you're just struck by the thousands of stars that you see. You know what I'm talking about? Do you realize that you need to be struck in the same wonder at yourself? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the psalmist is writing. You know that? You're, you're struck in. Now, now, I know, guys, that you may have felt that the first time you saw your spouse. You're just like, whoa. I mean, you're struck in wonder at this, this beautiful creature. You know what I'm talking about? That may, okay, that's good. I, I hope marriage nights, I hope you still feel that way. We'll talk about that. But um, yourself, who, who is the biggest critic of you? Probably you. And all the things you don't like about yourself and all the things you don't care about yourself and all the things that you would change. And I told you this before. My brother was 6'2", blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and looked like he belonged in a fitness magazine. Honest. I, I wish 
that I got some of his genes. I was a little taller. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I could critique my life based on my older brother. I'm the youngest in my family. And wish I was different. He actually, me, my brother, and sister, my sister and I have hearing issues. He didn't, of course. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, really? You had to skip him and come to me, you know? Um, you've got to stop critiquing harshly the wonder creation of God. That he made you to be. The term ugly is a man-made term. You know that? God doesn't think there's anybody who's ugly. We turn ugly inwardly in sin. But, but physically, you are the way God... God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and he still made you anyhow. It's just like, remember, we were just talking a minute ago. Do you think in God's foreknowledge he knew that we could possibly, as a human race, be a pain in his neck and he still made us anyways? He knew you just the same way and he still made you. God, the creator, who made all things, the, the heavens, the, the cosmos, all the way down to this earth that he fashioned in such a way that, that can be inhabited by animals and plants and people made it the way he wanted, listen, he wanted to make it this way. He didn't have to, but he did. Why? Because he's love. And what he does is love. And in giving life, he's the one who is always giving life. And you need to see yourself that way. Can I challenge you tonight? See yourself that way. Now, I understand. You're like me. I know my shortcomings. I'm, I'm not going to excuse my shortcomings because I have been a sinful creature. He's bringing life to that stuff. Freedom. Right? But, but I think we can critique ourselves so hard. Not only uh, who we are inwardly for, for what we think we're talented or lack of talents, for what we think we're good at, or maybe somebody's been telling you uh, for a portion of your life that you're no good. That, that's, that's the work of humanity and the devil. That's not of God, right? And certainly physically. God, God is a wonderful creator. And he doesn't make mistakes. It wasn't like, you know, he made everybody in this room and he gets to me and, he, and oh, phew, I messed that one up. <laughs> Man, stop the assembly line, shut it down, broken. Look what came out, you know. He, he didn't do that. You know what I mean? So God is the author of creation. He is the creator. And we see that all in the Psalms to, to, to the, the physical creation right down to the human being. As individuals, God is creator. It affirms that to us. Here's the second thing. That God is also the preserver of our life. So Psalm chapter 64 in verse number 1. Very simply here. It says, hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. So, so this psalmist was fearing something out there, an enemy of some sort, and it's simply praying, Lord, preserve my life. This, this, this psalmist got it right. That we look to God to be the one who preserves our ability every single day to wake up and to have a breath and to live. Now, understand something. In wisdom, you need to be doing what's necessary to preserve your life. What I mean by that? Eat food. Drink water. Or a Coke, whatever. I'm kidding. No, I like Coke. It's good. Um, take care of yourself. You know, we have to do basic things to preserve our life, right? But big picture behind that is, by the way, you have wisdom in, to take care of your life. Where does that wisdom come from? The creator who gives life. 
So God ultimately is the preserver of the life we have. At any moment, he could decide to go, Psh. you know that. Now, he promised he wouldn't do that by flood anyways, right? But, but God does not have to sustain this whole thing. But he does. Why? Because he's love. Right? Why, why, is, why doesn't he just come down and just judge the whole thing? Well, he's waiting for times to be fulfilled. Why? Because of love. God is preserver of the life that we have. Gain wisdom from him in, in, in how to do so, right? But look to him as the psalmist prayed. Look, preserve my life. And, and we can see so many different circumstances that we can face in our daily life, in our, in our seasons of our life, that we've got to constantly look to him and give our life to him so he can preserve it. Amen? Now, in a certain way, there are things that you do. It's kind of like if you're on, on a, a boat in the ocean. you got to be smart enough to stay on the boat right? But the good, good news is if you fall off, God, God's the life preserver, and he'll put you back on the boat if you choose to stay there. You know, remember the video we showed of, the, of that sheep that jumped in the ditch? Remember that? And the, and the kid pulled him out, and it went boom, 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 right back in the ditch. That's us a lot, right? Try, try not to jump in the ditch, Okay? Stay out of the ditch. God will be there to help you out, but it's better if you don't jump in there. So you got to live in wisdom. Help him preserve your life. You know what I mean? But he is the preserver of our life. So that's the second one. Here's the third one. That God is ultimately the protector of our life. Psalm 54. And let's see, verse, uh, let's just, I just have Psalm 54 written down, so let's just start in verse 1. It says, Oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper, the Lord is the upholder of my life. To return the evil to my enemies and in your faithfulness put an end to them. With a freewill offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. So God is the upholder. He is the protector of my life. Amen. Now, again, the same things we just said. There is a wisdom that we can live in um, to help with this process. So things you teach your kid, don't play on the street. You're giving wisdom to protect their life. Hey, the, the burner's hot, don't touch it. The stove's hot, don't touch it. Hey, your kid's learning how to drive. Not a good idea to drive 100 miles an hour down the road. Protect your life. So, so we play a part in this. But again, the wisdom of this stuff comes from where? God. The precautions that we take in life, and I encourage you to take precautions. Don't, don't be crazy. It's not like, well, I have so much faith that God's going to protect me. I'm going to jump out of an airplane 5,000 feet in the air with no parachute. Well, God's my protector. Well, that's foolishness, right? We have wisdom of precaution, correct? But yet behind that wisdom is God, and God is ultimately the protector of our life. So God is the, the giver of life. God is the sustainer, the, the, uh, the upholder of life. He's, he's the protector of life. And we got to see him that way. In other words, it's something we keep saying is, don't call yourself a Christian, but then live your life separate from him. If he is the author of life, he gave you life. You're here because he made you. Then in your sin, he is the one that gives you new life, right? Then in the midst of living this life, he, he, he is the one that, that upholds you, and he is the one that ultimately protects you. Why would you not live with him involved in your everydays? You know what I mean? Now, also in the Psalms, you do, uh, you do see the opposite. In the Psalms, you do 
find the possibility of harm. In the Psalms, you do see the possibility of hurt. In the Psalms, you do see death. Because, again, remember, the Psalms are real life. They're nitty-gritty. They're open in their, their emotion, in, in the things that they're saying. So as much as the Psalms present the life we find in God, then it shows the life that we live that involves hurt and pain and also death. Let's look at this Psalm uh, chapter 39, verse number 4. Psalm 39, 4 says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands at a mere breath. That's true. The, the Psalms bring up a lot about a man returning to the dust of the earth. Made from dust, and dust will return. That's true. Uh, you know, in, in, in the funerals that I end up um, uh, being a minister at, I've, I've done several, several funerals, more than I'd like to have done. I, I've done funerals for stillborn babies. I've done funerals for, for teenagers. Um, one killed in a car wreck. Another was killed by an accidental gunshot wound. I, I've done funerals all the way up to... People that lived their full life, I did both my grandparents' funerals. But you always start off with something like this. Life is full and life is vibrant, but life can be fragile. But here is the wonderful thing about the life of God. Even then, he has an answer for it. You know that? The greatest tragedy of our world is physical death, right? But even the greatest tragedy of our physical world, God has an answer for it. It's called the resurrection of the dead. That those things are not the end. So even where there's death, he's speaking life to it because he's always the giver of life. And the grace of God is always presenting the opportunity of life in him. So, so life, as we live life, but, but even in the fullness of life, if somebody lives and they, they pass away, then there is the resurrection of the dead, and what, then we're eternally in new life, brand new life. When he wipes away all pain and all tears and all sorrow, we'll be completely gone. God never gives up on us. Even in our worst moments, he's always giving us life, Right? So in other words, when we see a world that, that's full of tragedy, so um, it, I often mean to, and I forget, I'll be honest with you. So sometimes things happen uh, in our community or, or we see it around the world, like uh, the tornadoes in, uh, I think, Kentucky not long ago. Then there was a bunch of big fires out in Colorado just recently with high winds. And I often mean to pray for these things in church with you guys. And I often forget because my brain goes elsewhere when I'm standing down here getting ready to come up here. The, not only are we praying for the grace and the mercy of God in those situations, but our prayer is to involve God because he is the only one that ultimately has the answer to all of that stuff. Because even in the midst of these tragedies, somehow, someway, God is putting life out in front of it. Right? Even, even in death. So in other words, there's always hope. There, there is never a situation of life that you have that there's not hope. So I, I shared with you the, the week of right before Christmas, I did three funerals. Tuesday, Thursday, and there was one Sunday after church. In every message, it was, but there's hope. I understand we're mourning right now. You know, I, I've shared with you this with you before. You know what mourning is? When we mourn something, it's an emotional response to something that's happening. But in our mourning, we're saying, whatever I'm mourning about, that's not right. That's not right. So, so even, even the, the person that lives to be 
almost 100 years old, and they live a full life as we think full life to be, and they pass away. They still died, and ultimately, even though they lived the full life, that's still not right because God did not design us to do that. It's, a, it's sort of a protest. This isn't right. But that, that protest should bring us back to hope and life in God. Because he is the one that can fix this, and he's going to fix it. He's going to finish the work he started. And what is it? It's life. He's the author of life. He's the giver of new life. While we live in this world, he's our sustainer. He's our protector. And then when tragedy happens, he's the one that's putting life back in front of us. And you know what? Every time, it's kind of like it's a little better than before. You know that? So you have life, and you think life is good. Then you get saved, and you go, oh, man, this whole Jesus thing, wow, there's something here. And then you live in this life, and then, then, then whatever's to come, then the new life to come, we're going to go, oh, man. Now this is life. I mean, this is life. It's just going to keep, you know what I mean? That's, that's the hope that we have. So, some things about that real quick, and I'll close up. First is this. Always be one who worships the giver of life. That sounds simple, but it needs to be a part of your everyday existence. Remember two Sundays ago, from the rising of the sun to the going down the same, the name of the Lord is to be what? Praise. Always be a worshiper. Our and we're going to close with something about this. Our physical response of our being, our total being, to life is to worship. You know you worship something whether or not you realize it. Everybody, even the atheists, worship something. Let's make sure in all that we do, our actions, our deeds, we're worshiping God in what we do. Here's the second thing mentioned this already, but in life, make sure that you look to him to sustain you and to protect you while not leaning too much on the other stuff. Now, we have wisdom and there's things that we can do, amen, but make sure he is your source and not the other things, completely anyways, right? So I don't want my kid to play on the street, that's smart. So I want him to protect himself by not running out there on the street. But at the same time, I don't want him to think that's the entirety of protecting his life, that it comes from God. The totalness of what it means to live in a protection comes from him. So you've got to involve him. Pray. Invite him in. Bring your uh, situation. Bring your circumstances to him in prayer so he can be a part of you. Again, to sustain you to uphold you, and to protect you. Amen? And here's the last thing. Um, part of this whole life and new life and understanding him and growing in him and, and, and all these kind of light bulbs that flash in your mind because of what God is up to when those things happen, learn to sing the new songs. So how about we jump to Psalm 96? Now, if you were here uh, during our Christmas series, we spent a Sunday talking about this, when we talked about Mary and her new song with the revelation of, of what was happening in our life. Let's just read Psalm 96. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, how his marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. 
Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. In other words, it's not a scientific thing where the, the earth doesn't rotate anything, but it just means that it is in him and it shall not be moved from his grasp. In other words, he is the protector. He's the sustainer of it. And he will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Amen. See, our physical response with our being to the creator God is to worship. There's a secondary thing to that. Our, our response to the life that God gives and the new life that we find ourselves in discovering what that is and what it means to live in that, a response of that is joy. And there's something that should be breaking forth from your life called a new song. Now, I'm not saying that you got to sit down and start writing songs. Thank goodness. Like you gotta, you gotta be a songwriter, and now you gotta be a singer. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about the joy of the Lord breaking forth from your life. See, when you go into the scriptures and you see things like uh, people clapping their hands before the Lord, or, or raising their hands, or shouting before the Lord, or dancing before Him. Or even times more of solemn worship where they're bowing down, right? These are, are, are physical responses that are coming from your heart that's enveloping your mind, too, because your body doesn't move without your mind. In other words, these are responses that require your whole entire being. That's another way of saying, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. That the goodness of the Lord and the joy of what he's doing just breaks forth from you. If it comes forth in a new song, then sing it. If it comes forth in clapping your hands, then clap your hands. If it comes forth in you jumping up and down because you can't dance, then jump up and down. If it puts you in a place of worship where you fall on your face and you weep before him, then do it. But there's something new breaking forth from your life because you found yourself in the life of God. Amen. Now, that's not Pentecostal. That's church. It's not just charismatic. That's church. So my, my dad, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'll close up. My dad grew up in Brethren in Christ. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, my, my grandfather was a minister in the Brethren in Christ for 30, 30 years. So you got Amish. You got Mennonite. You got brethren in Christ, so hop, skip, and a jump, you know what I'm saying? So it's not far from very, very conservative, right? So when I, when I was little, uh, one of my grandmothers wore a head covering, never, ever, ever saw her not wearing a dress, ever. So very conservative, very, my dad would tell a story, um, especially this happened at Sunday night church a lot, where there was a, a lady in the congregation, um, that while singing the hymns, she'd have a hymnal in her hand, and invariably that hymnal would fly, I mean, just go poof, and she'd just get hit by the Spirit, and she'd be gone. Boom, it'd be a shout, it'd be something, boom, and she's out. And my grandma and grandpa would pick her up and put her in their car, and they'd take her home and literally put her in bed, because she's still in the Spirit. It's not a Pentecostal thing that something comes from your life. You see what I'm saying? It is is a God thing because he's the giver of life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying you got to do it. I'm not expecting you throwing your phones and Bible, you know, Sunday. But but the point being, what what happens to you? Because we're different. We're different. We're all made emotionally different, right? You'll express yourself in different ways. Isn't that right? My point is, it's not saying you're only really saved and enjoy the Lord if you express yourself, but the point is, the joy of the Lord has got to be in such a way that it just overcomes you. You know what I mean? Do you really understand 
freedom you've been given. Do you understand that? Man, that, that needs to be a revelation light bulb in your mind, what that's about. Do you really understand the life to come? I know we don't understand, but, but you have that much faith in the life to come that it brings all hope now? We live in these things. There's going to be a response. There's going to be some sort of a new song coming from your life. And then notice what that psalm said, that we will declare these things to who the nation. Part of our witness is this understanding of what God is up to in this new song that comes from our life because we are living in life. We, we haven't figured it out. We haven't perfected it. But yet, you know what? God is doing something. And it's evident in me. Right? The new song. Now, I've shared with you before, I am not an emotional person. I, I could tell, I could count, other than, than uh, my experience a few years ago, I could count on my two hands how many times I've cried in the last 20 years, probably. I'm not emotional. So this is not, so no, I'm telling you that to say, well, he's emotional. He's just wanting us to be like him. That's not true, because I'm not. You're not supposed to be like me. You're you. And whatever the new song is that comes from you, then let it come when it comes. Amen? But this expression of the author of life, the giver of life, the giver of new life, our, our sister, my, my goodness. He is who he is. Let's live in it. The Psalms teach you that if you check it out. Amen? All right, let's pray. I'll let you go. Oh, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. I pray that, that, that we as a people are doing whatever we can do to live in the life that you're giving us. Not taking for granted the fact that we are physically alive and breathing. But also, Lord, that, that we live as much as we can in the fullness of new life that you're always putting in front of us. Lord, in the midst of our trials and our circumstances and things that we face, I pray that you are our sustainer, you are our protector. We look to you, we lean on you. But even beyond that, Lord, that we are a light in a world that needs life, life as you give it. And I pray that we're the avenue of that. So very simply tonight, we worship you, we praise you, we once again give ourselves to you, the giver of life, for your glory, in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen, amen. Well, be blessed as you go. Make sure you sign up for, for things that are happening. But love somebody on the way out, okay? We'll see you Sunday.